Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It is the APC podcast here, part of SB Nation. Alex Patakis, Ben Foldy, Zach Rapport here with you at the Craig Newmark School of Journalism, where we're broadcasting. Chad Bernhardt is behind the glass, uh, helping produce the show today, listening to some football talk um, that uh, I'm sure you care less about. But thank you guys for listening because I know you care about the Packers dearly. And we've had some new iTunes reviews. So thank you to all of those who have left those and who have interacted with us over the past week um, at uh, the APC pod on Twitter at Alex Patakis, at Ben Foldy, at Zach Rapport. Uh, Packers-Dolphins, a victory. Packers are still unbeaten at home, still very mediocre on the road, and still a complete mystery in terms of what they actually are this season. Is that fair? Do you agree with that sentiment, Ben? Yes and no. Okay. I think the offense is still sputtery here and there, but I think they took a big step forward in the last game, and the defense is just solid as a rock. Special team. It was special teams day to kind of be like WTF. Oof. That was the popular thing. Is that anyone's note of, now? Can we just talk about that now? <laughs> about, about Ron Zook? Oh, Zook, man. How been, he I mean, the job? this is the second week in a row that I've come away with like a, a palatable fire Zook take. So, yeah. Uh, you're not alone this week because uh, a lot of people, I think, are now on that, uh, on that train. But midseason special teams firings, I mean, not I don't know. Thing. Probably not really a yeah, thing, right? No. Uh, I don't think so. Anyway, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the the Packers. I know you put a poll out at the APC pod on Twitter. I feel like it's the same conversation conversation almost every single week of like the temperature of the team. And it's like the same answer every freaking week. Stop giving away our content strategy. This, this team could lose in week in, in, in the NFC championship game and we'd still have that question like, up. No, like, I mean, what are they? Yeah, yeah. no, it'd be like, and again, I, every week we say, well, you could say that about most teams around the league. And it's true. Although like, I, again, it's the same conversation. You probably can't say that about the saints or the Rams because they're really good. And the chiefs, but the Eagles just lost to the Cowboys. I know. You keep having these divisional games. The it's Eagles, like, what? man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a complete mystery. But I guess we'll start where we do pretty much each and every week with our notable nuggets. I, I will lead off, and I do want to say, I think we all at some point pointed to Matub's tweet uh, on Twitter. Matub, of course, fellow APCer. He, uh, he had a tweet about Kyler Fackrell that was, uh, that was very, very spot on. Ben, I saw that you retweeted that one. But basically, um, Matub was saying how much crap he talked about Kyler Fackrell and how he's been consistently the best edge player this season and how he wanted to apologize to him and his mom. And Matub is being funny. And he put in parentheses, uh, he knows that uh, she's on there, Twitter. 
and name searches him, which is 100% true. Because isn't she like, like one of our she tweets She liked one, one of my tweets like that. that was an ironic Kyler Fackerel tweet. She's, and I felt really bad She stayed liking. I wonder if she listened to the show. Like, and then, like, I'm surprised we don't have a scathing iTunes review from, like, Mrs. There Fackrell. was one. There was that one. That was particularly seemed like it might have been from a member of the Fackerel family. Yeah, I don't know if it was her, but it, definitely possible. But. Um, he keeps standing out and like, I, I just thought, and I, I feel like I texted you guys this. I just think it's so funny that in a, in a time that, um, Gutekunst has come in and is like gutting a big portion of the roster and ridding himself of all of these guys that Ted Thompson drafted who didn't pan out, who we feel like were just waste, almost an entire draft class Yeah. to that effect. Once Ty Montgomery was gone, the 2015 draft class, right? Yep. Kyler Fackrell has not only like survived this mini roster purge, but is thriving and is standing out rather than the likes of like Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, a lot of times. Reggie Gilbert is a guy who like, you know, got a lot of steam, you know, preseason heading into the season. But Fackrell's getting sacks, Fackrell's doing his thing. And I feel like we all owe him a giant uh, apology. Is it too- because sometimes, Sorry. even when you come into the league at 24, it still takes Sorry. a few years to end up uh, showing why you belong. I will give him an apology and his mother and the extended Fackrell clan. Um, but I also, while you were talking, I just realized I'm like, in reality, it's not that he's been very good it's that the rest of the edge has been so bad I'm already walking it back man come well, on i'm not walking it back but i'm just like i'm like <laughs> sorry, are we, not are we sorry. so excited over you know average to slightly above average edge play and i is think it the too answer late is now yes. to say sorry not sorry <laughs> you know you're just like all right he's got some sacks all yeah. right like no, you I know, think you're right. Like, I, okay. He stands out among a lot of guys who have not been good and been, like, really, really underwhelming. But also, like, there was a point where we would joke and laugh about, like, how he's even in the league. No, I mean, agreed. Like, agreed. Like, he would come a long way since the snap against Washington where he was dutifully <laughs> thrown to the ground after running on the field. off the field of play, yeah. I just want to underscore something that, that we said long ago when we were giving all of those critiques and kind of laughing on air, and that's that it's we don't actively want him to be bad. Of course not. We are rooting for him. He seems like a good person. We want him to succeed as a Green Bay Packer. And I'm happy for the guy. I guess really this is a testament to Mike Pettin, who has managed to basically have most people most of the time doing what they're mostly good at and and avoiding this kind of Dom Capers years-long fascination with trying to fit square pegs into round holes. So, I I mean, don't get me wrong. Sorry, Kyler Fackrell, you are not totally useless as a football player. In fact, you might be useful as a football player. But, (laughs) like, I I, I mean, I just don't want to go, I guess, I'm not trying to be contrarian here. I just don't want to, like, lose sight of the reality that Kyler Fackrell is hopefully an average to slightly above average or useful role player in a decent defense. I'll take it. Uh, I will take that, too. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, honestly, that's fine for a third-round NFL draft pick this still not the choice i would have made this but that's version fine. of kyler fackrell would be on other rosters the previous version of kyler fackrell yeah. would be on like zero of 32 yeah. rosters but somehow was this on the kyler fackrell could have a decidedly frank zombo-esque career i don't know man many, I, that might be squads. a slight to zombo is, is he still on no, the he, chief somewhere I, still I, he is league. still on the chiefs but i think he just got hurt okay 
Yeah, he's like re- he's he's somewhere on on IR in the NFL. But like I, that was my favorite game every year. Was like the first time. Usually would happen like the first sometime time like, in November, Zombo. maybe December. There was one time per year that I'd be watching like Red Zone or something, and Frank Zombo would just pop up, and I'd be like, "Up, oh, still getting it done." He's still in the Chiefs. He's hurt right now. Okay, IR or just like you know. I think he's week to week. Oh, okay. So we could see Frank's out. Maybe we'll see him in that big Mexico City game yeah. on uh, prime time, right? They can, get That's the, they can get the field ready. Next Monday night, I think. Uh, yeah, this coming, this Monday? coming Monday yep. night game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because... Uh, Los Jefes. Yeah, I knew like the best game of the year came <laughs> after the, the, the worst game of the year uh, with uh, Giants and Niners, which actually ended up being a good that football game. That was a fine game. game. A, a palatable football game. Uh, did we all apologize, Zach? I feel like you kind of apologized. Yeah, do you want to apologize? Do you have anything else you would like to add to uh, Kyler and Mrs. Fackrell? Do I want to apologize and then walk it back? And <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just, that's a shot at Ben. Uh, no, sorry. Sorry, okay. Kyler. I'm, I'm happy that you are a, a, a role player now who is... Uh, Whose role goes beyond sucking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I'm... I'm sorry. I feel like I, I, I think I sound like I'm being meaner than I'm intending to be. I think you definitely sound like <laughs> you're being meaner than you're intending to be. I don't mean, I, like, I just don't want to get, anyway. Okay. Tyler Fackrell's great. I love all my songs. Let's move on. We don't, we don't need to make this, we don't need to dedicate a whole episode right. to him yet. Um, we'll save that for when Ben's on the show. So I guess my notable nuggets is I, I think like slowly but surely there's kind of like different levels of kind of stars being born on this team. Aaron Jones is the obvious. We don't need to talk much about that. Um, I actually think th- we're going to look back at this year's draft class of receivers as, like, home runs across the board. Not across the board. I don't think Jamon Moore is going to turn into anything, and I don't think he was going to turn into anything the day we drafted him. But MVS still looking good. And EQ still, to me, looks like the best of this class and does everything so cleanly. And is like really including that hit that a lot of people thought was dirty. Still clean. Okay, <laughs> that was a great block. McCarthy did not agree. Did I will not say agree, that did not agree that it yeah, was. Yeah, he a said clean you can, he said you you quote can't block back, meaning you can't be running yeah. downfield with the defender running up. You need to be running up and blocking someone in front of you. It, uh, That's fine. Whatever. It definitely felt like a a. 2018 like dirty football play but one that maybe I don't like think 5 was... years ago or are you watching like ESPN uh, classic 5 years ago talk of... like a year ago yeah. I don't think it was a dirty hit like you could say oh okay it was a 15 yard crack block but it's not like something you should get fined for it was shoulder it was he straight will, to the chest he will most definitely get fined for that hit we'll see I would think so anyway and the Raven Green show is yeah. off to a good start is that, hey. a, re- is that a Red Green show reference not necessarily <laughs> but it could be I lived in Canada sorry I was just uh talking about the Red Green show last okay. night for the first time in like two decades. Anyway, continue. Yeah, no, anyway, I mean, that's about it. There's, there's Raven Green had a great game. And like so many things on the show, again, a testament to Mike Pettin at an already thin position, you could lose Kentrell Bryce. Uh, I literally did not know who would then come in at safety and Raven Green was that guy and seemed to do pretty well. What, he had like a sack, He right? had a great he, sack. Yeah. He had a special teams fake play yeah, yeah. that was good. He had a good, he almost had an interception. The, the first time you play? notice him is, is when he almost has a, a red zone interception. Right. Yeah. The, that he reads perfectly. <laughs> the Ron Zook trying to save my job play. <laughs> Literally, just throw, like, that's uh, just a Hail Mary from him. On a similar note, um, although not necessarily out of nowhere or a young player, but um, Bashad Breeland kind of coming into his own, making a statement. Yeah, I mean, I he's excited to see that quality NFL caliber starting outside cornerback. Oh yeah, his, the contract that was voided would 
would lead you to that yeah. conclusion as well. I mean, a secondary somehow is just like I, like, I don't even know like what position guys are playing anymore, but I just know that oftentimes the camera flashes to the ball on the ground and a Packers defensive back celebrating and that gesticulating that wildly. Of, that is the kind of thing that really excites me. And it continues with 23 with Jair Alexander, but um, I think a lot of other guys, like you mentioned. But I feel like the defense is, is gelling as we go down the stretch here. Yeah. Um, and by no means should we get too excited off of this game. I, I think it's just like, you know, week in, week out, there's something really, really good. I mean, yeah. this was still Brock Osweiler. Granted, he is playing pretty well, well enough to have a lot of Dolphins fans just ready to, you know, just get rid of Ryan Tannehill. Really? Been hanging. Well, I don't think to keep Osweiler, but I think like the more that Osweiler succeeds, and again, this is also coming from, I, like I watched the game in a Dolphins household. My yeah. brother-in-law, I was home. You were in Florida. Um, yeah. And I was with all Dolphins fans, like, they were going nuts. And you were I was busy kind corrupting of like the very... vote in Broward County. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Um, <laughs> every time, man, they can never get it right. <laughs> Why Broward <laughs> County? Um, but, uh, but like, I mean, I think him succeeding, like with Gase, is just like even more evident. Well, Ryan Tannehill's never, never healthy. And again, this isn't a Dolphins podcast, but like, if you are a Dolphins fan, you got to be like, well, shit, man. Like, even Osweiler could be passable here. And we've had him for like seven years, and he hasn't been. So, yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, but they have some really questionable offensive stuff, too, though. Like, why is Frank Gore getting all those carries? How is Frank... Uh, How Frank is Frank Gore, Gore is like alive? the biggest mystery in yeah. football. More, like, Tom Brady can play until he's 55. He's still playing quarterback. The fact that Frank Gore has been through three ACL surgeries and is like, what, his mid-30s? And he's still running so just, well. Just trucking, man. I don't know how he's running. He had two ACL surgeries in college. He's torn the same ATL twice. That's insanity. It's true. <laughs> and then toward the other one. Yeah, but he shouldn't get all those touches, bonkers. I mean, at the same time. Yeah, uh, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of questionable stuff going on in that organization. Um, uh, note nug from Zach, because I assume it wasn't on Raven Green, or uh, no, or on uh, Rashad Breeland. Nope. Nope. It's more about the fans. Uh, and that is that, uh, so I, w- I watched the game at a bar, which means uh, I spent most of it sort of like looking up and then down at Twitter and, and following along. And um, it just feels to me like at this point, there are so many, fa- and this is, maybe this is just the, the Twitter echo chamber, but fans are kind of on McCarthy hate autopilot. It just, it, the switch was activated at some point earlier in the season that he was the problem. And now every little thing that goes wrong or is perceived as having gone wrong during a game is his fault. And it's really frustrating to sort of follow along with that because uh, follow along with it, like in, in real time as you're watching the game, because it, it diminishes my enjoyment of the game, you know, like, right. Why can't people just, I get like, I get it. You're, you're a fan. It's, it's frustrating that a team led by Aaron Rodgers could be so inconsistent on offense for really a couple years now, like 20 games or, or whatever it is. That's frustrating. And you want someone to be held accountable. Great. But, when something good happens, like just be happy about it. That's w- that's why I watch football, so that when my team does good stuff, I feel good about it. Right. And I just feel like there's just this negative swirl, and everything is McCarthy's fault. And it's just uh, it's it's preventing people from having fun watching the game, but also I think preventing people from sort of looking at the game with more uh, objective eyes. Yeah. Um, do you have any specific examples from this past game? I only asked because I wasn't really on Twitter during it. And I'm wondering if like, even in a game 
that felt relatively comfortable, certainly in the second half where the writing was just like on the wall. So like, what are people complaining about other than the Ron Zook stuff? Again, I was at a bar, so I, I had a few. So okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> this is this is this is uh, as best as I can recall. Um, the the one example that jumps out to me is is Aaron Jones obviously has what some might consider a breakout game where McCarthy finally utilizes him as a, as a star running back, and that's great. And then everyone spends the whole game bitching about why didn't we do this in the first place? And like, I get it. But, like, the game is happening right now. Awesome stuff is happening right now. A 67-yard run is happening right now, and people are complaining about Mike McCarthy, and it's just, just be happy. I don't know. And then uh, another Aaron Jones moment, I think it was the third series, they, I think it was the third offensive series, someone will be sure to correct me if I'm wrong, that they, they sat him for that, so they gave him a rest. He had, like, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, the one that Jamal Williams started from, like, the end zone, basically. Yeah, and I think it was... I mean, at that point, again, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Aaron Jones had like seven kicks. Some he had, he had almost a hundred yards at that point. I felt like it was at least permissible to let him sit down for a second if you knew you were going to ride him for the whole game. Relax, he's gonna he's clearly going to have 150 plus yards, and everyone's just going nuts. And it's just again another one of those moments where it's like just like there's a lot of game left here. Clear like. At no point in the beginning did I feel like we weren't going to win by 20 points. It really seemed inevitable, and just enjoy it. Let the fun stuff happen. I don't know. That's my screed. Two responses, one of which is going to lead into a bigger, what I imagine will be a bigger okay. discussion. One, I'm not convinced that anything Mike McCarthy does this season can save his long-term future with the Packers. I agree with that, and I still think it's okay to just, like, enjoy the, again, at, from the fan perspective. Yeah, I mean, just I guess— enjoy I, the good stuff. Well, and from the fan perspective, it should just be, like, just be confident that he's not going to be here next season yeah. regardless, and don't be mad at the things that he does right because I don't think it's going to prolong his career in Green Bay. But this is what I really want to say is that I think I see Green Bay getting really, really, like I see Green Bay Twitter getting really, 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 really excited about outside candidates. Yeah. I think this might be Mike Pettin's team. <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. he's, he's, said, he's said before that he does not want to be a head coach again. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. a shame. Because yeah. I think he should take this team over. Really? I think he said that like one of the things that he learned from being a head coach was to like stay in your lane. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's possible. Well, but I mean, he's I also mean, coaching the Browns. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Coaching Aaron Rodgers and having some hotshot, you know, offensive coordinator who wants to work with Aaron Rodgers might change his mind. Yeah. But to me, I watched that defense, like, really closely. I barely watched the offense in the tape. Everybody was prepared. Everybody knew what they were doing. There was creative scheming. There was, you know, he has a different game plan for, I mean, there's enough consistency across the schemes every week. But there's also enough kind of like wrinkles and game specific planning and adaptation. Um, and honestly, watching Raven Green come in and not look out of place at all makes me think that he knows how and when to use and bring rookies along. He has a system that he can manage. His players have faith in this system. They know what they're supposed to do. They never look shook. You know, when the offense turns the ball over in a bad situation, they often still get a three and out or a red zone stop. They're tough as hell in the red zone. Like this, you know, and even when they make mistakes, right? Like Josh Jackson had a lot of tackling problems in that game. 
And nobody ever, like, dropped their head. Nobody ever was like, God, you know, like, we've seen games where the defense just crumbles mentally, right? Like, we've seen that for seasons and seasons and seasons. And I have not seen that. Even when they're losing, I haven't seen that from a Mike Pettin defense. And to me, those are all the things that you want to see in a coach. Like a coach of an, at an organizational level, at, a, at a, getting your players ready for what they need to do, regardless of whether you're the specialist telling them what to do. You know, like, I don't think he's going to call plays. And I don't think he should call plays. But that doesn't mean I don't think he should be a head coach. Right. So you think, look, I kind of like this idea from a couple of different perspectives. Like, I also have no problem having a head coach who does call plays on defense. And, like, regardless of what happens, if McCarthy's gone, there's going to be an offensive overhaul in terms of scheme. Mm -hmm. So I would rather, like, the stability on defense and just having to worry about, like, making one good hire at offensive coordinator— and now that the more I think of it, I feel like all of this like rift between McCarthy Rogers stuff, I, I think it's really hard to find a head coach externally who is an offensive mind, who like is somebody that is immediately going to garner Rogers respect that makes sense for the role. Like unless you're bringing like Josh McDaniels to Green Bay, which would seem yeah. very, very difficult to do. And even that is a little bit risky. Well, that was the part like, I was thinking, too, is, like, Lincoln Riley, you think Aaron Rodgers wants, like, some college coach to come in and start telling him what to do? Like, Or, I, or somebody who's younger than him? I would almost rather the younger can Like, I would rather a defensive head coach. Like, we always use the Patriots as an example. I think one thing that's really cool is that the offense has always kind of just run itself. Like, Belichick has always been the mastermind behind the defense and has always had that being, like, such a shiny example of them maximizing talents, like, I don't know, I'm thinking of, uh, like, Rob Ninkovich and guys like that who probably aren't that great um, because Tom always had it. on like he, They were always okay on offense. Mm-hmm. At this point in Rodgers' career, I don't think he's looking for some guy to come in and, like, revolutionize football and, and be, like, you know, a McVay. I, it's pro- he's probably just looking for a guy who's, like, I'm not saying a yes man, but someone that just, like, brings some new ideas to the table but still... Like, Rodgers is still the alpha in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Where to me, like, the Rodgers-McCarthy rift just stems from the fact that, like, they've always been together, and one guy is very obvious. Like, Mike runs the team. So, like, Rodgers, like, they butt heads because Rodgers probably thinks he should have more control and they're tired that of he doesn't have. Yeah. So I kind of like that idea. Now, I, I would hope that then the defense would just continue because, you know, being really good because Pettin is, like, the influencer at the head coach position. Yeah. I think you have to hire a defensive head coach if you hire your next guy. So I agree. I think that's a fun idea. I mean, I just, because I just see all that, like Packers Twitter to me just seems like obsessed with like Lincoln Riley or John DeFilippo or whoever, you know, these kind of like, it's like, we need a new offense. We need like, we have all these offensive weapons. We need these crazy schemes. And it's like, sure, that's fine. But I actually think that that might be fixing wheel or like reinventing wheels that don't need to be reinvented. Yeah. Not that we don't need a new offensive coordinator or like a new kind of scheme and game plan. But I think, like, just watching that game, I was like, Mike Patton came in, got everybody to buy into a system, and that system is delivering. It's, like, doing it with rookies. It's doing it with, you know, players who he gets more out of players than you think they should, including Kyler Fackrell. To me, that's, like, head coach material. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it. And isn't Patton still, like, have the best winning percentage of, like, the last, like, six Browns coaches or something like that? Or am I completely making that up? 
I feel like that, that he definitely had the best of that. True. I mean, of that run, right? Like, yeah, it, he had like an, a seven and nine season. Or yeah, something so he them, must. He? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he absolutely must. By the way, did you see that Hugh Jackson got uh, hired by the Bengals? I did. He's a special assistant, the head coach, <laughs> the guy who's going to wait out head eight more uh, seven and nine seasons from Marvin Lewis. Just physically can't do it anymore, and then he'll take over. It's unbelievable. The Bengals man. do not look good all of a sudden. Either. They do not. I mean, not look that they good. ever really look all that good, but they really. Don't and the beginning look good of the season, right they they offensively were like humming, even with just like a you know yeah. the, the the symbol for mediocrity at quarterback in uh, in Andy Dalton. But man, oh man, how does Hugh Jackson? How is he employable? Uh, something else I, I retweeted was uh, um, someone was was tweeting that note that that. Uh, that news nugget that he was hired on as uh, in in Cincinnati and Demarius Randall quote tweeted it with like the cry laughing emoji. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> Randall uh, loves to talk, man. Yeah, he really he's a does. Shit-talker. He is a little bit of a shit talker, um, but not the good kind like Jair Alexander. Just kind of like the bad kind of shit talker, like the one who doesn't play that well. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you tweeted out a poll at the APC Pod. Um, again, kind of taking the temperature of uh, how we feel about the Packers and their playoff chances. Um, what is that temperature right now from the Packers fans who voted at the APC pod? So we asked yesterday, hey, the Packers won uh, and a lot of other middling NFC playoff hopefuls lost. So waking up today, you feel blank about the Packers playoff chances, better, worse, or your opinion has not changed and uh, 53% feel better. 46% say their opinion has not changed. Wow. So it's still, I feel like that's pretty comparable. But if to, like, that's all everybody who felt bad, like if you felt all right and your opinion didn't change, and yeah. then everybody felt bad feels better, could be a sea change. That's true. Hard yeah. to say. Let's get uh, Nate Silver on the case. Well, <laughs> speaking of Nate Silver, I'm looking at the 538 ELO rankings. Um, and the Packers jumped from, I think, an 8% chance to make the playoffs last, last week. Was to, it 8? It was 8 or 12. I thought it was 12. Maybe either, it was 12. Either way. Uh, it was very low. But now they are a 23% chance to make the playoffs. They go. still have to overcome the uh, the Bears and the Vikings, who have a... The Bears have a 70% chance to make the playoffs, yeah. and the Vikings have a 63% chance to make the they playoffs. They still have to overcome the Bears and the Vikings, but so far uh, in, the, in my football-watching history, the Bears and Vikings have often overcome themselves. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I would not say that the playoffs are out of reach for this team yeah. by any means, although Thursday is going to be a tough game. And yeah, oh, definitely. I, uh, I, I feel like part of the reason I don't rule them out for the playoffs at all is like, if you look at like the runner up, like usually there's like one division where it's like, wow, there's like two really good teams that are battling for first place. Like the second place team in every division is, it would be impossible to say like that, that you can feel confident about them being better than the Packers. Like I guess the only team is, is the it? Panthers. Yeah, but, but the Panthers, nobody trusts the Panthers, and they also like they look like they can shit the bed quite, like, yeah, intensely. <laughs> An intense shitting of the bed from Carolina <laughs> is what you're banking on. Uh, then you have like the scrum in the NFC East, where you have the uh, racial slurs leading at six and three, four and four Cowboys who suck. I would take the Packers over them in a second, and the four and five Eagles. Um, then you have the Vikings, who I think the Packers proved are pretty beatable, although having to go to Minnesota yeah. for that second game is yeah. going to be very hard. They're, I playing, was, they're playing better now after a few weeks of, of kind of 
trying to find themselves. Yeah, I was uh, over the weekend. I was in. I was at a wedding, and one of the guys there works for that new Vsin, like the Vegas Sports Information mm-hmm. Network. That's now like growing. They have a Sirius XM channel. They have like some TV shows and all this stuff. And one of the like really really respected betters that they have on their show, he's got like some of the most ridiculous like metrics and breaking this all down. All of this is to say that. The Minnesota Vikings, according to this guy, who has the respect of every book in Vegas as like one of the best professional betters and betters in the world, has the Minnesota Vikings home field advantage worth over four points, like four point one points, mm. which is like the highest in history that yeah. a home field is. You know, everyone says it's three, but he, you know, it's not three for everyone. Yeah. The Dolphins' home field advantage isn't three. The Dolphins play the Jets. It's all Jets fans. Dolphins play the Packers at home. It's going to be a shit ton of Packers fans. So they rate like every stadium. The Vikings' new stadium is supposedly like the best home field advantage in football. How much noise? More than Seattle. They they do. uh, Seattle has been historically very high. They were like three point eight. Yeah. Um. But like this since the new stadium of whatever they call it, the bird bird killer. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Since that has opened, uh, that's that's unseated. What is it? Quest Field? Uh, Whatever they play in Seattle. CenturyLink. CenturyLink, yeah. Um, As the best home field advantage in football. So, like, I will take the Vikings when they host the Packers. But that doesn't mean I don't trust the Vikings to somehow screw something up against, like, teams they should beat. That's the MO for them and the Bears. They lost to to the Bills. Yeah. Like, badly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's... There's only one other team that could be embarrassed that bad, and that's the New York Jets yep. by, the, uh, by the Buffalo Bills, which, by the way, uh, the, the defense of the team that plays the Bills has been the best fantasy defense so many weeks, and I don't know why. Did you I start d- the Jets this week? The Vikings, I did, I did. the Vikings were on a bye, and I picked up I the started Jets. the Jets in my other league. It's negative points. Negative points. <laughs> like, you could have just got me, like, eight points, and it would have been a game. I would have went into last night's game with Odell and a chance to win, and instead I had zero chance. To win, I was very, very frustrated. What are you gonna do? Fantasy corner. Uh, Fantasy corner. By the way, thanks, Mike McCarthy, for unleashing Aaron Jones. I need some more of that because I got nothing else at running back behind Alvin Kamara. Um, Oh, (laughs) I have Alvin Kamara and and uh, Jones. (laughs) You can't can't really compete over here with one with one (laughs) running back. I've been doing it all season. Well, yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. Anyway, um, what else we got? We got a a pick'em update. All right, let's take a look at the APC Podcast Listener Pick'em League. After 10 weeks of action, Nick Varley, listener Nick Varley, is running away with this thing. He's got 963 points. He is a cool 25-ish points above the next possible winner, Kyle Clifton, who has been hanging out in the top five as well as Aaron Rolfing in third. Um, And then there's a three-way tie fourth myself continuing my non-moron streak lauren summer and mitch morton um but i don't know that we can catch we can catch nick barley but we're gonna try we're gonna try well the packers have a uh, a quick turnaround this week they are going to seattle uh they're at the seahawks who are every bit as mediocre i guess as the packers have been so far this season but five and oh on thursday nights but five and oh on thursday nights under pete carroll under pete carroll the best record and only unbeaten team on thursday night football the thursday night bug gets everybody yeah. except the seahawks yeah. apparently even though it got like half their roster one time when uh it, like richard sherman was t- I, I, there was a game that like almost like couldn't even finish 
that was basically the end of Richard Sherman's career in Seattle, I remember, but I must have still won that game. Sherman, obviously. yeah, Sherman was a, that was the game that he really popped off about Thursday night afterwards. Yeah, yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, uh, Thursday night football is awful. Remember last time the Packers were on, it was uh, Devontae Adams getting his head taken off by Danny Trevathan. And then there was also a rain delay, and I got home at like one in the morning because this game was incredibly dumb. Cool. Thursday Thursday night games are weird. This like it. I could see this game being forty five to thirty eight. I could see it being twelve to ten. I could also see it being half the teams uh, are just like too injured to finish the game. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um. I, I, the Packers aren't aren't exactly healthy to begin with. Yeah. With defensive players dropping like flies, but I guess we trust in Pat. And we'll talk about that game. Uh, with Mina Kimes, diehard Seattle Seahawks fan, and also ESPN rising star. She's on shooting star. Many of uh, many of programs, but we like catching up with her. I think every season so far that we've done the podcast, like three I in a row. Keep finishing in the same place in your division. Packers Why does she keep returning our emails? We do not know. I have but. no idea. But uh, <laughs> stay tuned. Later this week, we're going to be talking to her about that game, um, which uh, I'm looking forward to. I love it. I love a good test, a good road test. Time to get a road win. This team that has yet to do so uh, so far this season. Old Thursday night slobber knocker. <laughs> the old slobber knocker. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> ben making the appropriate face to that comment. I haven't heard that phrase in a long time. Since like NFL Blitz 2000, which I, is just such a great game. Full disclosure, a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine was like, hey, you should try to fit slobber knocker onto the show. Oh, really? I've, I've, I've been forgetting every time. So uh, this is my chance. There you go. You know, just like Aaron Rodgers said in his locker the other day, you just got to be ready for your opportunity because it's going to present itself. You just got to be ready to capitalize. Who was he saying that about? I don't know. <laughs> One of his young receivers or something like that? Yeah, just like all the, all the young guys. I think, I think actually it was a response to something about Raven Green. And, oh. And, yeah. What are you asking Rodgers about Raven Green for? Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Um, get us on, on Twitter. We've thrown the handle out many a times, the APC pod. The APC podcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email there. And again, the iTunes reviews help. They're great. We love reading them. Some of you are very creative with them. And I feel like really summarize uh, the ethos of this show. Like, you get uh, our brand. You really do. Yeah. So we, uh, we super appreciate that. And stay tuned. Later this week, Mina Kimes, Packers Seahawks preview podcast of sorts. Thanks a lot. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.